You know, we serve him because he served us. I love that song we were singing a while ago. We love you, Jesus. We love him because he first loved us, the Bible says. We have a responsive kind of a relationship with God. He's done more for us than we could ever do for him. He's loved us far more than we could ever love him. He has served more. He's given more than we could ever give. And what a God to serve. This is the final Sunday of our series that we've been talking about, Back to the Future. I really do believe that we need to return to our foundation if we are going to accomplish our proper future. Sometimes we need to go back and restate some things. I am praying that we have a great day on next Sunday. And if you know anybody who has a patriotic spirit, anybody you think who loves America, appreciates America, is praying for America, has a concern for America, if you have a friend like that, I would really encourage you to have them here next Sunday because we're going to see some things that, I mean, it, if, if you have one red corpsuckle in your blood that's patriotic, it's going to stand up next Sunday morning, Okay. It's going to be awesome as we are able to share. You're going to see the people here. But more importantly than that, I'm going to preach a message on how to pray for America. Y'all think America needs prayer? Do you think the guys who are here that's going to be in uniform and serving us realize that they need prayer every day? We're going to be doing some things to help them, but I really want you to hear the message and bring people because I believe that we are in a crisis in America we are in, a, we are in a, a fight for our very freedom, and God has some things to say out of his word, and it won't be a long message, but I hope it'll be a powerful message, and I need you to pray that God will give me the wisdom and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be able to declare that message that will be clearly understood by everyone who is here, whether it's their first time to ever go to a church service or whether they're an old line church member, God has a word to speak to us. And so I want to encourage you about that. We have been talking about returning to our foundation, and the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Isn't it wonderful that the Lord said, I'm not going to drop you before you get to the finish line. I am not going to stop being with you before you've accomplished what I want you to accomplish. He's the author. I get my faith from him. By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the what? Gift of God. Not of works, lest any person should boast. He's the author of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. And we've been talking about that dynamic in our life. We talked about returning to the compassion of the Savior, serving Him with enthusiasm. We talked about the companionship of our Savior, serving Him with encouragement. We talked about the commission of our Savior, serving with enlistment and going out to get people involved in the very cause for which He came And then number four, we talked about last Sunday, return to the communion of our Savior, serving with endearment. How many were here last Sunday? Did you like the way we did communion? Yes or no? I thought I had more comments about the communion service last Sunday because it just seemed to be very, very personal. We were able to sing, worship the Lord, and so forth. It's important for us when we come to a communion service to have that inner reaction to our God and our heart, our spirit and His spirit. Now today, to wrap all of this up, I want to talk to you about this. Returning to the commendation of our Savior, serving with empowerment. The Lord, when he gave us his final instructions, also gave with that the assurance that we'd be able to accomplish it. He said to this, go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Anybody know what the rest of that is? And lo, I am what? With you, how far? All the way to the end of the earth. That means his power, his presence, his influence is going to be in our lives as we carry out the purpose to which God has called us. And I just want to speak to your heart for a few moments. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said, And ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me. And then he names all those places. Power, empowerment. We don't have to go through this Christian life limited to our own strength, to our own wisdom, to our own knowledge. We have within us the presence of God. And I want to talk to you about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you might want to mark this verse. It's a very, very important verse. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know, listen to this, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Wow. I don't know about you, but I think most of us, sometimes we do some things and we reflect back on the day and we say, I wonder if that was really important what I did today. You ever done that? We go and we put in our time and, 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 and sometimes we say, Lord, you know, I'm working here. God says, hey, just whatever you do in word or deed, do all to the glory of God. And he can turn your workplace into a holy place. He'll turn your position into a holy position. He'll turn your work into a holy work, and it will not be in vain. If you're flipping hamburgers at a hamburger joint, say, Jesus, this is for you. Flip the best hamburgers you can and give him the glory. It turns your natural work into a holy work. That's the way we sustain ourselves. I heard a, a man the other day speaking to his boss came in and there was very, he berated him and he was giving him a hard time. And finally the man said, sir, I appreciate everything you're saying, but I just want to tell you something. I don't work for you. I work for God. And I'm going to do the best I can. If my floor is not clean, you come in and look at it because I want it to be clean. If my work is not done well, I want you to look at it because I want it to be well. Not because I'm working for you, but because I am working for God. That will change our lives. That will change the dynamic of how people look to us. Your work is not in vain. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16 says basically the same thing. Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We started trying to get everybody on board with our mission statement. Daniel said it a while ago. Let's try to see if we got it again. Our mission statement as a church is what? To bring people into a and growing. Good. Let's try it again. I think y'all forgot it for that since last week. I, I really do. So I'm, I, I, Jesus Christ. There we go. We wound up on the right name. We got to the end of it. All right, let's go over it. It starts out to bring people. I'll give you the first words. Let's go. To bring people. 
No, now see you got people already jumping out there. I, I, there are some that weren't here. I'm going to teach it to you, okay? Don't run ahead of me. Here we are. Yeah, all right. Here we are. I'll give you the three or four words. You say them, then we'll all come back to them again. To bring people into a saving and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Now you got it. Okay, let's say it together. No more prompting. Ready? One, two, three. To bring people into Wow, that's great. Y'all are brilliant. I'm amazed. That's good. No, that really, if the more we say it, the more it ingrains itself into our thoughts and minds, our actions, and our ministries. And I really want us to do that. You say, why, people? Why do we want to do that? Number one, our work is honest. Our work is honorable. Our work is holy. Psalm 13.3 says, his work is honorable and glorious. You know, we're, we're talking about ministries around here. A lot of the ministries we have are not upfront ministries. They're not what we would call the ministries that everybody sees. But my Bible says, whatever you do for God, His work is honorable and glorious. Right? The ones who serve out there, the ones who help us, the ones who make sure that the grounds are clear, the ones who are over there serving in the nursery, taking care of the little babies, showing them the love of God so moms and dad can sit in here and hear the word of God. God's writing that down of his book, and he's saying that is honorable and that is glorious because it is work that is done for me. And as we come to this time in our church life, and as we kind of get ready for the fall, I am hope all of us are going to be on the same page. There are three ways that we are empowered to serve God. The first one, you might want to write this down. Somebody showed me the back of the bulletin, and it says sermon notes. He said, I guess God's just going to say anything he wants to today. Is that right, preacher? And I said, I hope so. And uh, so he is. And if you want to write something down, number one way that God seems to speak to us is this and to call us. We're empowered by his calling. Write down that word, calling. We're empowered by his calling. The first empowerment, I mentioned it a while ago, has to do with God calling us. Now let me make a statement to you. The one who is calling you, whoever that one is, makes a difference. Did you know that? Who it is. You know, my neighbor's wife may say, hey preacher, if I'm real busy and real bad, I'm not probably, I'm saying, I don't even know that woman. I'm not going out. I am busy. But if my wife hollers out the door, hey, I need you. What am I going to do? What are you guys going to do? You're going to stand right up. You're going to say, yes, ma'am, what do you want? Don't look at me like that. Why? The one calling makes a difference. The one calling us makes a difference. There are voices in the world that calls you to their side, calls you to their project, calls you to their investment, calls you into their dynamic. I mean, I don't know if your email is like mine, but I get so much stuff in the morning, about 15 minutes, the first thing I do in the morning is just go through and delete, 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 because about 90% of it is somebody asking me for something I don't even know. But when God Almighty steps off of his throne and into your world and into my world, and he says, I am calling you. 
That makes a difference. God is calling. And that is the first empowerment. If God calls me to his side, if God calls me to his salvation, if God reaches into my life and says, you're on your way to hell and I want you to go to heaven, don't dare go down that. Hey, stop where you are. Hear my voice. Come unto me. Change your direction. I ought to say, thank you, God, for calling out to me. It's God who's calling you. If you ever had a thought in your life, if you're not a Christian this morning or you're not sure you're a Christian, think of this with me. If you ever had a thought about desiring to go to heaven, if you ever, ever had a thought about wanting God to be a part of your life, I want you to know that that is not the devil's voice calling you. That is not the world's voice that's calling you. The world will never encourage you to follow Jesus Christ. Only God himself and the Holy Spirit of God will speak into your heart and encourage you to follow Jesus. If God has spoken to you in any way to do that which is right, you can mark it down. That is God calling. And when God calls, he empowers. He calls us to salvation. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It's amazing how God calls to us. In fact, he says, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draws him. We can't even get saved unless God puts in our heart the want to. But that's the, that's the first call. But once we are saved, God, before we're saved, God is calling us to salvation. But after we become a Christian, God is calling us to service. Now I want to say something, and I want you to listen to me very carefully. There's not one person who has ever been created by God Almighty, whether they lived in a mansion or in a grass hut somewhere in the middle of nowhere, that God Almighty did not have a designed purpose for that person's life. God created them with abilities and talents that were given from Him. And God is calling us not only to salvation, but he's calling us to service. God's been called, we're called by God to share the greatest news ever given. We're called by God to serve as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. We're called by God to shine as lights in the darkness. The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father. Have you ever noticed how sometimes people, it's all about them, we're talking about the, this, uh, the other day in, in the staff meeting. You know how easy it is for it to be all about us? Well, let me tell you what I think you ought to do. Let me tell you. Don't, don't, when somebody starts, if, if that hits your head, just kind of look beyond that person. It really doesn't matter what I want you to do. You know what does matter? What does God want you to do? And if I don't speak the voice of God into our church, then I am of all men, most miserable. If this is something about me, then you'd go home and forget it. But if God is speaking to you, if God is calling to you, we ought to listen to the voice of God because God is pulling us to himself. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Philippians 3, press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. 2, Timothy, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy 
of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith, listen, with power. When God is calling you to serve, let me back up. When God is calling you to salvation, he has already set aside the power to make it work before you ever get to him. When God is calling you or me to service, God has already set aside the power that you need to make it work. You believe that? Nod your head like that. If your brother or sister or husband or wife didn't did nod their head, punch them, wake them up. That's good. No, I'm kidding. The first way God speaks to us and the first way he empowers us is by his calling. But I want, I want to go from there somewhere else. I'm going to kind of rush through some of this. Secondly, we are empowered by his indwelling. The one living in you makes a difference. The one calling you makes a difference. The one calling you comes to you. But the one in us the one living in you makes a difference. The indwelling of God comes in us to enable us, to empower us, to encourage us. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says, What know you not? That your body is the temple of God? Wow. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Romans 8 verse 10 says, If Christ be in you, the body may be dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. God in you. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus dwell from the dead dwell in you, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise you up also. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Can I say this as simply as I know how? If you are a Christian, God lives in you. I'm going to show you something this morning. I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but we had a, Brian, come here for a second, buddy. This is a dear friend of mine. Most of our church loved this guy, and we pray, we've prayed for him. And his young wife went to be with the Lord just a few days ago. And um, y'all married about seven, eight weeks, right? Something like that. How would you like to have to go through that kind of trouble? without God being in your life. Come on. God's with you, wasn't he, buddy? He's with you today, isn't he? He's strengthened you, hasn't he? I've been so proud of you, I was about to bust. And that would be a sad sight. I'm telling you, that wouldn't be good for anybody. But you've done an awesome job. Hey, why? Because he's so strong? No, because a few months ago, he trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. The Holy Spirit of God came into this young man's life. And when he faced the hardest thing that any person will ever face, the death of his mate, he was able to go through that because God dwells in this young man. Go ahead. I think we ought to thank God for what he's done. What would God ever call you or me to do that he has not already empowered us to do by the indwelling of his Holy Spirit? Nothing. Nothing. Let me see if I could illustrate it this way. You and I are like a glove. We're like a glove. 
If I had a glove and I were to put it up here, that glove would just be limp like so. Not much power in a glove. Some are different. But whoever picks that glove up and puts their hand in it is the one who gives power to the glove. Right? I've had a little surgery. I know those guys wear gloves. I love gardeners. Okay? But in a surgery room, I don't want a gardener's hand in a surgeon's glove. That makes sense? I want the surgeon's hand. Because whoever's hand is in the glove gives power to the glove. You're the glove. He's the hand. He's inside you. Don't ever let the devil tell you you can't do. You don't have the ability to do what God has called you to do. Don't ever let the devil tell you that. That's a lie. His power, his indwelling, his Holy Spirit is like the hand in the glove that can do anything with you. The third way God empowers us, not only through his calling, not only through his indwelling, but the third way the Bible talks about his empowering us is what we call the anointing of God. Now, salvation, listen carefully, God comes to you. God knocks at your heart's door. The Bible says in in, uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 21, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, the second thing is, he says, I will come into him, right? So when God is calling us, he's coming to us. When God comes in us, when when we accept him in, when we become a Christian, he's empowering us from inside because he said, I will come in you. But this dimension, if you understand the anointing of the Bible, God says, I will come upon you. What a blessed thing. The one anointing us makes the difference. Moses anointed the tabernacle with oil. He consecrated every piece of furniture in there. It says in verse 10, Moses then took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. And he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its utensils and the labor and its stands to consecrate them for the use of God. The word to anoint literally means to take something almost like salve. Sometimes in the Old Testament they would use oil. You remember what David said, Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want, right? He maketh me lie down in green pastures, we know that. Then it says, he anointeth, what? My head with oil. That's more than just pouring. It actually literally means to Pour it on and rub it on. To pour it on and rub it on. The anointing of God in the Old Testament was signified by oil. And in the case of the tabernacle where the 
mercy seat was and the holy of holies and the candlelight and all that was. In the, in the case of that, they made up a special anointing oil. And God said, I want you to anoint the oil. What does it mean when it's anointed? It means it's set aside for a special purpose. Set aside by God for a special purpose. In the Old Testament, there were only three groups of people. Listen to me carefully that were anointed with oil. One of them was the prophets. God anointed the prophet's head with oil. Set them apart. People see a man walking down the street, and he said, that's a, that's a prophet of God. He's been anointed by God. The second person was the priest who went into the Holy of Holies and took the offering, the holy offering of the blood of a little lamb to signify the blood of Jesus Christ. And they'd say, wow, that's a... That guy's a priest because he's been anointed with the oil of God. He's a special person. And the third was a king. Only three. Prophet, priest, king. David was anointed three times. Because the Bible says that David spoke once. He spoke sometimes as a prophet. He would tell them what God was saying. Then he went in and he actually acted as a priest and God anointed him. But in Psalm 92, David cried this out. He said, oh God, thou shalt anoint me with fresh oil. That means a renewed anointing of God to do whatever God has called you to do. A fresh anointing of oil. According to the Word of God, every born-again, spirit-filled Christian child of God has the anointing of God in his life. But I believe that every child of God is responsible for keeping and increasing the level of anointing that he has. That is why some walk in a greater anointing in their life than others who are walking away from God. Can I say it to you this way? The closer I get to God the greater anointing he puts on my life. I, I would rather die, and I'm going to say this to you, and I mean it. I would rather die than come in this pulpit having not spent time with God, having not been on my face before God, getting as close to God as I know how, Crying out to God, say, God, please anoint the message today. God, there are people there who need to hear your voice. God, there's some people there who need to know Christ. God, I will not. And nobody but my wife knows what Saturday night's like in my life. Why, preacher? Because I, I want the anointing of God on my life. But you know what? The guys who work there in, in, the, in the sound booth, did you know in God's eyes what they're doing is just as important as what I'm doing? I believe that with all my heart. The guys who are out there greeting people, the people who are working in classes, the ones who are in, in ministry groups, the ones who take up our offering, the ones who set up the chairs, the ones who do all the, it's a, it's a collective work. And I believe this with all my heart, that every one of us is doing it not for themselves. We're doing it for God. And if we're doing it for God, I need the anointing of God on my life. Amen. And God empowers his people through the anointing. 
our anointing comes from God. Let me say this to you. Listen carefully. Man may appoint you, but only God can anoint you. I'll say that again. Man may appoint you to a position, but only God can anoint you to power. And I just believe we got a church full of people who want to be able to have God answer their prayers. I believe we have a church full of people who love Jesus. I love this church. I love you guys. There's no way I can express how deeply I love you. And I believe you love God. And my heart's cry is that we will draw close to him and seek his face. And not only just hear his calling to come to us. And not only know his indwelling in our life, but to know that other step of the anointing of God. Our anointing comes from God. Our anointing comes upon man from God. Our anointing means that we are set apart as the holy vessels were set apart. Our anointing comes when we surrender our will to his will and bow before him and accept it. I will tell you this, there may be some things in my life that I'd have to give up if I want his fullness. There may be some thought patterns that I've got to lay on the altar and say, God, take those out of my life. I don't want that in my mind. I don't want that in my heart because I want to love you more. I don't want there to be anything between you and me, right? I mean, that, that, that makes sense. Why would I want to carry the world's junk around in my mind when I can have God in my mind? When I can have the Word of God in my mind. When I can have the Spirit of God in my life. And so the Lord says, sometimes in order to get the anointing, we have to step forward. If you will remember, and I want to give you this illustration. David was a shepherd boy. Shepherds were so lowly valued in the Hebrew nation that shepherds were not even allowed to vote. They were not even allowed to be a part of the process. They were the lowliest of people. And two things came to my mind. You know who the first, this tells you a lot about God, you know the first group of people that the Lord Jesus announced that his son was born in little old Bethlehem? Y'all know who the first group was that heard it? Anybody know? Tell me, who was it? It was the shepherds, hallelujah. What does that tell you about our God? He didn't go to the palace. He went to the shepherds. The greatest king to ever sit on the throne of Israel was a boy named David. And God went out there, and the dad brought all the other boys in front of him. Samuel said, God has sent me over here to anoint a king. He said, I'm going to anoint one, the oldest Step forward, surely this must be he. And God said to the prophet, that's not him. Number two, that's not him. Number three, that's not him. Number four, it's not him. David wasn't even there. And he said, Jesse, don't you have any more boys? He said, oh, yeah, I got one. You know, he's young. He's, you know, he's, he's a shepherd. He's out taking care of the sheep. And God spoke into Samuel's heart. He said, you tell the whole family, we're going to stand until David shows up. Literally, you know what he's saying spiritually? We're going to stand till the king comes. 
You know, I'd like to challenge our church. Man, let's just stay until Jesus shows up. Amen. Let's just, let's just stay until the king comes. And here comes David. Probably smell like a sheep. Whew. I don't even want to go down that road. Maybe a little old staff. We know he had a slingshot and he knew how to use it. Hey, hey, y'all, how you doing? I just see him walking up. He didn't know what was going on. And the Holy Spirit of God said, that's the one. Anoint him. Anoint him. He said, David, come here and stand in front of me, son. You see the action? Called him from the field. Called him to the group. And then called him to himself. See that? That's what God does to us. He calls us from the fields. He calls us to a group. And then we walk in here. And I hope to God that he calls you to himself. And says, son, daughter, bow your head to me because I want to anoint you to be a king, a servant of honor. And David must have bowed his head while the prophet of God put the oil on him. He was never the same after that moment. Never. Never. God began to work in his life, and I don't have time to go with it. He began to lead him. How would a shepherd boy ever, ever, ever get to the house of the king? How would he ever even be introduced to the king? How would he ever find his way there? You know the story. He went back out there, and he's keeping his sheep. And the king went to one of his people, and he said, this was King Saul, man's king. Saul called and said, hey, I need somebody to come over here and play a harp. I need somebody. He said, I have these real bad fits. I'd ought to have told you something. I mean, if you had a king with fits, that's not good. But anyway, he said, I have these bad, evil fits. And so he said, I need somebody to play. And he I said, does anybody know anybody? I would, I would encourage you to look at the resume of David. He said, I know a guy. His name is David. He plays skillfully. He's a man of honor. He's a warrior. Not only that, he's handsome. And King Saul said, go get him. Can you imagine that? Of all the, little, of all the boys in the whole nation of Israel, God's already, <laughs> good night. God over there had his prophet poured on his head, but all the time he knew that that king was going to need somebody to come to the palace and he would get trained in the ways of the palace because God anointed him to be a king and then God showed him how to get to the palace and get to be everything God wanted him to be. Hallelujah. We're serving him with empowerment, not because I can empower you, not because education or wealth or position or anything else can, can empower you, because God Almighty can empower you to do what God wants you to do. And that's why we serve him. He calls us. He indwells us. And thank God, he anoints us and sets us apart for his glory. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for meeting with us today, O oh Holy Spirit of God. I thank you for working in my heart and in the hearts of our people. We do need a touch from you. And God, I believe there's a church full of people here today who love you. And God, I pray that you would call us to you closely. If there's anything that stands in the way, oh God, I pray you'd take it out. Lord, we're coming to a time where... If we're going to reach our city, we're going to need a lot of folks to help. If we're going to reach our goals and 
visions that you've given our church, we're going to need a lot of people to step up. And I'm praying, dear Lord, that you would, by your sweet Holy Spirit, would just go and knock on some hearts today and say, I'd like to put the oil on your head. Will you let me? God, speak to our hearts. While you're praying and thinking about that, I wonder if there's somebody in this building, like the young man we talked to this week at a restaurant, accepted Jesus right there at that table. We asked him, how you get to heaven? He said, oh, you got to be good. You got to help people. You got to do good things. We were able to take the word of God and show him that Jesus came to this earth and that Jesus loved him, died for him. Standing at the end of that table at that restaurant, that young man bowed his head and said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. Lord, I want you in my life. And after we had prayed together, we looked into him and said, Son, on a scale of 1 to 10, how sure are you that you're going to heaven now? With a big smile, he said, 100%. 100%. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I've been thinking about becoming a Christian. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven yet, but I want to know God. God's been calling you. God's been speaking to you. And this would be the day that you could open your heart and let Jesus Christ come into your life and change your life. Forgive you of your sins and write your name in heaven's book because God is calling to you. And if that's your desire, I want you to listen carefully. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call upon him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You've heard about Jesus today. I've been here to tell you about him. God wants to save you today. Right where you are, if that's the desire of your heart, I want you to call upon the name of the Lord. You don't have to say it out loud because he knows the thoughts and the intents of our heart. But you have to understand, salvation is not in a prayer. It is in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. It is inviting him into our life. And if that's your desire this morning, I want you to imagine Christ in front of you and I want you to say this to him from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I do believe that you died on the cross for me. I know that I'm a sinner. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sin. Live inside me, Lord. Write my name in heaven's book today. And when I die, take me to heaven. Thank you for coming into my life and saving me today. 